morning, saints. Um, our Bible reading for today is from Deuteronomy 11 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, if you could turn our Bibles, open our Bibles on Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11, from verse 13 to 21. Starting from verse uh, 13. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this, this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourself that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain and that the land yield not her fruit, and lest, lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up this my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by thy way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write upon the doorpost of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. First Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter 3 from verse 14 to 16, starting from verse 14. These things write unto thee, hoping to come thee unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believe on in the world, receive up into glory. Our Father God, this morning as we recognise your presence, we do say amen. How wonderful, how marvellous, what a great and incredible God you are. Father, we recognise that you are the, our creator and our rightful owner. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, O oh God, that you would use your word under the direction of the Spirit of God to illuminate our minds 
to the glorious message of the, to the gospel and to the calling that you've given to us to be your representatives, to be reflectors of you. Oh God, I pray that you would take your word this morning and convict us and teach us and guide us into all truth and that we would see Jesus Christ lifted up and glorified. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Joey, for leading us in reading of, the, of God's word this morning. Let me just read those few verses again. <clears throat> Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing to you with these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. One translation says, great indeed is the mystery of godliness. Verse 16, beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed in the world, was taken up in glory. We've been on a journey with a gathering assembly of believers of Christ Jesus, the local church at Ephesus. During the early days of this infant church, the Apostle Paul had invested three years at least of healing and nurturing, day and night at times, but things have been a little bit shaky of late. Some have come in to move away from the glorious message of the gospel. Paul would love to have gotten back to catch up with them. But it seems as though that's not going to happen anytime soon. In fact, I don't think there's any mention of him getting back to Ephesus. He may have done. So the great man of God decides to write a letter to Timothy, his understudy, in overseeing the church there at Ephesus. Over the last few months from chapters 1 to 3 of 1 Timothy, we've looked at some of the challenges that the Ephesian church have faced. And we, I think, as a body of believers, can identify with some of those areas. You may recall the times I've mentioned that 1 Timothy 3, 14 to 16, seems to be the theme or the key verse of the overall theme of Paul's letter to Timothy blueprints, if you like, or instructions for the church and how to conduct themselves, how to conduct ourselves among God's people. Paul says, I am writing these things 
to you so that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. How we need to conduct ourselves when we come together in corporate worship as we live our lives together as individuals under the leadership of the Spirit of God and how we are to interact with one another as part of the family of God. Let me say at an outset, this is a powerful passage of Scripture. And I admit when I offered today that I take these verses, I wasn't completely aware of all that God had. Amazing passage of God's word. It's rich in teaching for the way God desires for us as men and women to conduct ourselves, to live our lives together in corporate worship and doing life together as a family of God. Paul has already given us some teaching to think about in his letter to Timothy. Warning of false teaching or a warning to stay true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without wavering. To cling on to it, to understand it and don't waver away from it. Who Jesus is, what he has done. Really that's paramount to the gospel recognition of who we are and who he is we've had corrective teaching on the roles of men and women constructive teaching on church leadership we need to be led well the church is an assembly of believers that are gathered together as God's representative on earth God has given us an incredible responsibility a privilege to be his representatives, to reflect the authentic call to is looking for answers and understanding. We need to give a clear representation of who God is and what he has done. The world needs to see Christ. Friends, if we get that wrong... The world around us will be misinformed. Their ideas and regarding the church and the people of God's family will distract from the message of the gospel. I think I'd be right in saying that he's given us a lot of challenging material to ponder and to think about. These are big issues for Paul. They're big issues in the church of Ephesus. So I'm glad that Paul was smart enough to see the big picture that he wasn't going to get back to Ephesus anytime soon. So he needed to write these things down and to communicate them so that they can continue to go over these things and understand them. As a family of God, how do we conduct ourselves? The challenge comes down to each of us personally. Are we willing to allow him to do that work in us? 
of changing us to be more and more like Christ day by day. And Paul wrote, I write these things so that you'll know how we need to conduct ourselves well. The first consideration I'd like us to look at this morning is whose family do we belong to? Whose household is it? Why are we here? Why are we here this morning? Friends, to be honest, the Bible is very clear and very strong that God's family only includes those who've recognized that they're separated from God that they need God to intervene in that. And he did by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our sin and the consequences of our sin and the wrath of a holy God towards sin. And to pay for that debt as our substitute. And the Bible is clear that Sin demands death as payment. But God in his mercy sent his one and only son, the perfect lamb, to come to earth to die in our place. It requires genuine repentance, a shift of our dependence on what God has provided rather than what I can do for God. That Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb of God, paid the ultimate sacrifice and the work has been finished for our redemption. The truth is we're either a child of God or we're not. We're not a child of God. We're still an en enemy of God, separated from him and heading to a Christless eternity. Paul is writing with instructions of conduct for those who gather together as part of God's family, the local church at Ephesus. It is clearly God's household in Ephesus. He's the head of the church and we're the members that make up his body here at Chapel Street. We need to recognise that it's his church, that he is the head of the church. As I meditated on that thought this week, I the challenge to stay true to the word of God, to understand the roles of godly men and godly women and the teaching of eldership and deacons. And there's really no need to be stressed out because it's not really our work. It's not our church. But as each one of us as sheep, we're needing to be submitting ourselves daily to his direction that work that he's doing in us of making us more and more like Christ. We're part of God's family and he's the head. He's the leader who's committed to lead us as the head of the family and he brings security. He brings peace. He brings a sense of belonging and protection. 
He's in control and he is sovereign and we recognize that. Are we willing to submit to his leadership? We might say, that's easy, huh? But trust me, it's not always easy. (laughs) Because I know what it's like when the old flesh gets in the way. When I push to do what I want to do. I've got an elbow that for years has been going its own thing. And no matter how hard my head tells it to go this way, it won't do that. And I look at that and think about that and I think sometimes I'm similar to that. That God is continually changing me to become more and more like Christ. So we come together in corporate worship because of the idea that we are a family, members of his household, that he is the head of the family. It's his household. And Paul wrote to the Ephesians a little earlier. This is what he had to say in Ephesians 19 to 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Down to verse 20 and 22, it says, moves away from the analogy of a family to a, that of a building. The church is part of his building, his dwelling place, similar to the temple of old. That we are a temple of God. That God, the Holy Spirit, God himself lives within us. Built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the temple in the Lord into a holy temple in the Lord. In him also are being built together into the dwelling place for God by his spirit. We switch from the idea of a family to that of a building together, fitly joined together. But Christ being the chief cornerstone, the head of the family. Talking about a physical building and a physical body, but the spiritual truth is there. God wants us to be functioning together as a, a family under his leadership. And that's what God desired at the beginning. For mankind to be his reflectors, to to be able to reflect who God is. And God's given us that incredible privilege to be his representatives and his reflectors on earth. How we conduct ourselves then is very, very important. So the second thought that Paul has for us to consider is that The family we belong to is the assembly of believers that belong to the living God. Notice what it says there. The next one. God's household, which is the church of the living God. How we come together in worship and how we live and work together as part of his assembly of believers was very important to Paul. And it needs for us to be reflecting on it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance, for it is for this that we labour and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the saviour of all men, especially of believers. And that reflects that we serve a resurrected Christ. 
We have served the Son of God that is, was, was put into the grave, but he rose victorious over death. He's alive. He has the authority and his authority will be visible in the church as we submit to him. Friends, I ask, are we sensitive to his nearness, to his work in our lives? Are we sensitive to the presence of the resurrected Christ? Does our life reflect that he's alive, that he's doing a work in us? And if he's alive, he's at work. little situation happens in our family quite often. It happened with our girls and Caleb, I'm going a little bit ahead here. And I saw it just happen with Noreen. When Noreen puts Ollie down to sleep and then walks back into the house, Ollie thinks mum's not there. Ollie gets up and starts walking back into the house. But as soon as Noreen comes back into that presence, Ollie's a realise, oh, mum's back here again. Mum's here again and gets back into bed. We found that with our own girls as well. I wonder if our conduct, our livelihood, the way we live reflects that Jesus is near. That Jesus is right there with us day by day. That it affects the way we talk. It reflects the way we live. It reflects the way we reflect him. Because of his presence is near. And Jesus says, draw unto me. And as we draw closer and closer to the resurrected Christ, his power will become evident through our lives. I think of little David there in 1 Samuel. As he comes there and is confronted with that massive Goliath. And David said, I come in the name of the living God. How dare you defy the living God who's alive? I think of Daniel as he was thrown into the den of lions. And Darius come out and he says, has your God been able to save you? And Daniel cried out and he said, oh, king, live forever. My God is alive. I serve a living God. He's, he, he's alive and he's at work. And friends, our lives need to be reflecting that God's alive. That he's at work in us. He's at work through us. He's at work amongst us. Binding us together and encouraging us and building us up into a family that would be under his leadership. Friends, we serve a living God who is alive and continues to desire to do that work in us. Paul writes, so that we will know how we need to conduct ourselves as part of God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. And that brings us to the next point. Are we aware of his presence permeating 
in and through our lives as we conduct ourselves according to his holiness. Peter says, be holy as I am holy. That God has called us to stand true to his holiness, to his godliness, to live godly lives. God has called us to live lives that would be a reflection and a pillar that would hold up truth and protect the truth. That our lives would endorse the truth of the word of God. We're a household of God. We're a part of his family. It's the church of the living God. We ought to be careful that we understand that we are in the hands of a living God and the pillar and the support of truth. Friends, do our lives authenticate the truth of who God is? One commentator William Muntz says in his work on the pastoral epistles these words. This is perhaps the most significant phrase in all of the pastoral epistles. That's a big call. Not just in 1 Timothy, but in 2 Timothy and Titus as well. All of them put together... This might be the most significant phrase, this idea that the church is the pillar and the support of truth. It shows more clearly and more dramatically than anything else what is at stake in the Ephesian heresy and why it is essential that the church, especially church leaders, conduct themselves properly. In other words... It's important how we conduct our lives. It's important that we live our lives according to his righteousness and his holiness. When he says that's the most important, that's a big call. But God has called us to be men and women set apart to reflect Christ. To put aside our own ambitions and our own desires and to allow the authentic Christ to live his life through us to his glory. John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he would increase. And I think the challenge for us is, as we spend time abiding in Christ and in his word, the truth of God will become so real in our lives that people would see Jesus Christ in a clearer and more understandable way. Paul continues on in verse 16. <clears throat> okay, I'll do that one. Yep. Let's go another one. <clears throat> Next one. Next one. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. We reflect on the person of Christ who is our example of righteousness and truth. He's the one who we reflect and whose character we take upon. He appeared in the flesh 
was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. We could do a whole sermon on that. That Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God, came to earth, took upon himself the form of man, truly man, and truly God, to die in our place. The perfect Lamb of God. That the Spirit of God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God said, the Spirit of God authenticated that. And we preach Christ. Make him known. Because the, so, the world so desperately needs him. Friends, the challenge for us this morning is, do our lives reflect him? His holiness. Are we allowing ourselves to be used to his glory and to be changed more and more to become more like him? Let's pray. Our Father God, this morning we thank you for the finished work of Calvary. Father, we thank you that you have called us to be part of your family. Lord Jesus, we recognize that you are the head, that you are a living God. We thank you, Lord, for your word that is truth that we can depend on, that you desire to live your life and your truth through us. Father, we thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Father, in you there is no darkness. Father, we recognize that you've called us to be holy as you are holy. That in our lives, in our interactions with one another, that we would see Jesus Christ lifted up and glorified. Father, that people would be drawn to you, that people would see the authentic Christ in our reflection of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.